into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Um, I'm not going to do the Barrett voice because it is racist, but remember the beginning of Final Fantasy VII when he says, there's no getting off of this train. The train, it's a great metaphor about the the climate change thing that the game is a metaphor for and all that crap. There's no getting off of this train. Um, it's Amtrak. Hey, here's, here's my Barrett impression. I'm Barrett. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a, I, I know we talked about him on the Final Fantasy episode. This is a African American character. Yes. He's a large man with a machine gun for a hand and he just loves his daughter so much. And, and his name is Barrett. Making passionate speeches about how we have to save the planet which is like a train that you can't get off of once it starts moving. Um, and that's what that video game is all about. Also, Tifa is there. Tifa? Tifa? How do we pronounce her name? I don't know. But the train is a good... It's, it's Amtrak Joe's train. We're not, we can't get off of Amtrak Joe's train. We'll talk about him later. We're on his train for the next four years. Regulated by Pete Buttigieg. Also, yeah, driven by a teenager because of Pete Buttigieg's uh, new practices, <laughs> and it's going through a hole, uh, a tunnel. And uh, how do I? I can't figure out how to segue these two things. Let's talk about this thing that happened in the Italian Senate. Someone did a Max Headroom thing where they hacked in to the uh, f- the video feed of the Italian Senate, and they played like cgi hentai porn of tifa lockhart from final fantasy from the avalanche eco terrorist crew uh getting fucked for like 30 seconds by what we can assume was cloud strife you can't see his head is the thing (laughs) but i can spot the middle of him anywhere and that was cloud strife is this soldier first class torso and was (laughs) Was the video from the actual game, a sex scene from the game, or something a fan made? There no. are no, there are no sex scenes in the game. You're not allowed to fucking. Game. <laughs> so this is a deviant art, a deviant art sort of. Uh, yeah, somebody makes these. Uh, they actually got a lot of traffic from this, but essentially what happened is uh, the uh, Italian government was uh, doing a digital proceeding where they were introducing. Nobel Prize winner of physics, Giorgio Parisi. And someone hacked in and shared their screen where Tifa is just, folks, she's just getting railed. There's no other way to say it. And the materia is flying out of her. And then they try to turn it off, but it takes them like a full minute of just Italians screaming. (laughs) What if it was... uh... You can watch the whole thing online. One of those Michael Parenti lectures, but in the background is just, you know, Eris and the Red 13, the dog animal going at it. <laughs> that would, no, that's a good way to radicalize the kids. They put Parenti on those choking victim albums, put them on, put 
the kids, you know, what are they up to these days? Apparently stuff like this. This is a good way to get the, these ideas out of the world. I have a question about this, though. I, I saw it. Did, how did did somebody go? That's Tifa because like without any doesn't con- look like Tifa. Well, she just looks without like the, you know, the outfit that she's known for and stuff and without being able to see the guy's head. To me, I was I would not have guessed that it was that specific character. I've just been like, oh, that's a CGI Japanese woman. Well, let me tell you, Jake, real fans can spot Tifa Lockhart <laughs> anywhere she appears, whether it's on the Italian government or on the train fighting armed soldiers. The, can I just say the the state of hentai has changed so much from when I was a child. I no longer even recognize it. These it, these girls no longer look like drawings. They look like Gumby has come to life and is exploring his or her body in front of me. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Maybe this is how you can tell. Uh, oh, no. Damn it. Sorry. Did you just start playing it? Just YouTube that the video? Throws an ad. She has a theme song. All the characters in Final Fantasy have a theme song. Right? So... Uh-huh. If you're watching hentai and this song starts playing, that means it's Tifa, and you better pay your respects. This is her theme song. Yeah, it's so sad. Why Was does this... why is hers sad? She's I don't like know. the spunky one. Because but on the inside, she's sad. Because she has a past with Cloud at the Mount Nipple place. I guess it is sad because she loves Cloud so much, and Cloud is fully in love with this other woman the entire time. So so to be clear, (laughs) this was sort of a Zoom-type situation, so they not only heard it, but they saw it. Is that correct? Oh, they saw it. We all saw it. And then the best part of it is so they finally, like, unhack the meeting and then this like physicist just gives a speech like nothing happened. <laughs> the funny part of it is because I assumed at first, as does happen from time to time in the world, someone whose job it was was to swing the different video around up there, maybe like accidentally clicked a wrong window and then they played the porn that they had been watching the night before or something on their computer. Oh, my God, how humiliating, right? But this was a true Max Headroom hack thing, it turns out. They didn't know how to get it taken down, and it also played on, like, Italian TV and shit. Hmm. And um, over it, you can't... They don't know who it is, but they just hurt. You can hear this person in the clip, and I don't know Italians. It's context is very bizarre to me, but they're just yelling, like, you could... The word translates pretty literally. It's just like, el sex offendo! Sex offendo! <laughs> <laughs> It's just yelling about a sex offender in Spanish. Italy is a, a strange place because on TV, I believe, and this is true of Europe in general, commercials are have full frontal nudity. Um, breasts are displayed for everyone to see. There's like, you know, very uh, graphic sex. Uh, however, in Italy, it's also like a crime to say, Porque Dio, which means God is a pig. So they have like strange, just arbitrary standards with decency. So 
I don't know how they reacted to this. Maybe people were just fine with it, you know, because they sex is everywhere. Crazy. I mean, I've been following a Spanish KFC account, and it has like the check mark. It's the official account of KFC in some part of Spain, and it's insane. It just shit posts like it shared a like a a Nazi meme the other day. Not like a like it, it was saying a Nazi thing really, but the artist. There's a specific web comic artist who makes cringe web comics who is a nazi that people have tracked down and shit and like it's bananas dude it looks like a fucking teenager is running it and i don't know and that sold chicken in some way i guess so (laughs) increased the sales of kentucky fried chicken folks it's pod damn america for another week hello jake flores here yeah and there's Ali here. You can do this act. I'm a Barrett from Avalanche. See, this is <laughs> it's not offensive because Hello, not. my daughter. <laughs> but I kill you if you touch her. My arm gallon gone uh, like a turn of the century anarchist. <laughs> Actually Asterisk exclamation point at symbol question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I should say this. I feel like I may have probably said this at some point. I dated an Italian anarchist, and uh, you said she, it. Okay, fine. <laughs> she claimed that uh, I she should be able to use the N word, or that it's yes. different because she's not American. So it's uh, I can't say it, but she's, she can. She's using it as an ally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because of America, I guess was what she was going for. I hope she's listening right now. We're not in touch, so I kind of doubt it. But um, Italy, strange place. Yeah, uh, I would love to go. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Italy, I'm just kidding. I have no idea how to segue this into one of these other things. How about this blunt guy? Oh, yeah, that's so true. Mississippi isn't. Oh, no, wait. Was it Louisiana? Louisiana. Louisiana is in many ways the Italy of America. It's shaped. I've like always boots. said that. No, they're both shaped like boots. That's yeah. why, that's what two boots pizza is. Right. Cajun, Cajun style pizza, which you would think would never work, and arguably it doesn't. But people still that, eat there. That's why they have the Bayou Beast. That's one of the pizzas you can get. The Bayou Beast. Rip on a pizza? Are you out of your damn mind? Poor boy, pizza. It uh, also like, yeah, similar in that there's a wide uh, sort of variance when it comes to uh, sexual attitudes, right? Because there's very many conservative parts of Louisiana and Italy and then other parts where it's just, hey, all the time. Letting loose, yeah. getting raw. Cajun voice. Hey, <laughs> oh, what is this guy's name? Gary Chambers? I believe so, yeah released uh, a campaign ad to run for senate there that where he's just smoking he's sitting in a cool chair like a, like in atlanta out in the middle of nowhere like the tv show atlanta when they sit on that couch smoking a blunt and like his campaign made sure to verify that was a real blunt he's smoking like in that video made a statement in the video about how uh you know marijuana should be legal and the war on drugs is racist and all this cool radical stuff i have not looked into his 
politics and his platforms. I don't want to go off and do an official PDA endorsement for our 10 listeners in Louisiana or whatever, but look into it. I don't know. Uh, DSA down there seems to have nice things to say about him. Pretty cool. And you know what? Honestly, if there's bad things about him, just don't tell us about it because <laughs> it's nice to just have like a blunt commercial and that's it for the week. It was like fucking cool. Can we not yeah, just have like a, great... a blunt commercial and enjoy it? Yeah. And it's a, uh, you know, I think a, a good way to get his name out there, right? Obviously, I think mission accomplished there. Uh, and really is maybe the only bipartisan issue in the year 2022. Democrats, Republicans both smoke weed or agree that people should be able to smoke weed. In 2012, uh, the Ballot referendum legalizing recreational marijuana got more votes than Obama in a state he won. So uh, I think that this is a shrewd political move. It's crazy. It is a bipartisan like take at this point. And yet so is pro police shit. And the same voters seem to be like somehow pressing those two buttons at the same time and just like this is normal these things don't contradict each other right because that's like i mean louisiana is one of those places where there's i mean the war on drugs is fucking bad dude also like when people think about crime it's not they're not really concerned about people smoking weed i mean grandmas and shit are or like you know fucking party poopers but the most part they're not that they're concerned about shooting and you know, violence and stuff and getting mugged and all that, not somebody smoking a blunt. Like that's not a threat to anybody, you know, except maybe your lungs. Like I I think, I think they are two kind of separate things in a way, but uh, by legalizing marijuana, I think old shitty people used to think weed led to guns and shit and, you know, you lose your mind. And then somehow there just was like a, very rapid cultural shift where like weed people are like okay i old people are like i tried brownies now and i like it i think it's a good idea i went to the hospital but they said i didn't need to (laughs) it felt like i pissed my pants for a while and i but then i checked and they were dry and it's okay now you ever have that happen when you were yeah I've, we've all I mean, had it happen. It's weird because it is like it really has ebbed and flowed. Of course, the you know the original marijuana laws were very racist and explicitly about jazz musicians and that stuff. Um, and then towards the seventies, people it was actually became sort of popular to talk about decriminalization because white kids were getting arrested for it. So their parents were like, "I don't want this to happen to my son." Uh, and then you know Nixon kicked it in overdrive again. And here we are. It's it's the fucking Gramsci quote about the new world has yet to begin, but the old one is still fucking is dead. Um, and we have a fucking president who doesn't even want to legalize it, which he basically has the authority to do. Uh, and this would be such a winner. Nobody wants people going. Well, you can't legalize weed. it because it would be the only popular thing he's done, and he's right. on a roll. Yeah, it's like it's a not only is it a progressive, it's like a progressive agenda item. One of the only ones that does not interfere with capital, like it's good for capitalism. 
for weed to be legal, right? Yeah. I, I know I know that we've covered this before and uh you know even things that Biden has done that I have liked like leaving Afghanistan was unpopular. I think there is a pattern here emerging of the the brain of the modern democratic party truly believes to be responsible they have to only do unpopular things because they have so much venom in them for yeah. the American citizen. They clearly don't think they know what's good for themselves. Right. Well, it goes back to feed you your gruel. You ever hear that story about how Hunter Thompson wanted to try to dose Nixon with LSD? And I think he never, he had like a plan to do it, but he never got away with it. So we need to, we need to get weed ice cream into Joe Biden. That'll do it. You know, he has a fun day. He doesn't realize why he's got, got the munchies, man. You know, you were just picked up immediately. (laughs) (laughs) What's gonna happen? Nothing wrong with that, though. I mean, if somebody who works in the White House told me that they have done that already, then I would believe them and would just like haven't noticed because he's you know just regularly senile. That's why Kamala can't talk normal because she's they're just she's just blazing it and listening to lo-fi beats in the White House and saying every <laughs> day is and we are doing every day and it's what you do. We have right. chill beats and we are studying to them. <laughs> right. Just like she did in college with her uh, still friend, uh, still living friend, Tupac Shakur. Me and Joe <laughs> get fucked up and listening to dead rappers who are still alive (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh well what are we talking about today well uh on that tip of executive action that the president could take um and you know ranking of his time in office so far which uh sorry to say is not uh does not get stellar marks from from the boys at pda f minus (laughs) there are a lot of promises that this man made when he was running for president and when harris became his nominee for vice president uh they this just resurfaced a friend of ours david citrick posted this on twitter they still have their campaign platform up the promises that they were making in 2020 and it's frankly embarrassing um They wanted to fix Trump's testing and tracing fiasco to ensure all Americans have access to regular, reliable, and free testing. Double the number of drive-through testing sites. Invest in next-generation testing, including at-home tests and instant tests, so we can scale up our testing capacity by orders of magnitude. You can kiss Dr. Jill Biden. (laughs) It's cool, man. Give it a try. Do you think they have boinked in the White House yet? Oh, it would be disrespectful for them to not. No, they shouldn't boink in the White House, man. That's not what it's about, man. It's a no boink zone in there. That's Ew. why Clinton never did uh, vaginal insertion. Um, <laughs> because of the no boink clause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't boink. I'm sorry. I can't boink after <laughs> lunch. <laughs> but they're like, they just had their freaking arm pulled on giving people tests for free instead of having to and 
some people have to do this. If you want like certain tests, you have to go to CVS or whatever, buy them uh, for 20, 40 bucks and get then fill out paperwork to get reimbursed by your insurance company. Like if you actually want people to get tested, right. a ton of people are probably most people are just not going to do that because it's annoying, you know, but finally they've come around on rapid tests being available, but it's still not where they said we would be by now, which is they promised a pandemic testing board like Roosevelt's war production board. It's how we produce tanks, planes, uniforms, and supplies in record time. It's how we can produce and distribute tens of millions of tests. And most of all, last but not Anders least, what they wanted to do was establish a U.S. public health job score to mobilize at least 100,000 Americans across the country with support from trusted local organizations and communities most at risk to perform culturally competent approaches to contract tracing and protecting at-risk populations. Not a bad no, idea. I can't wait for that. Yeah. It's like, I feel like if that, ha- the, to the extent that has happened, it's been through like nonprofits and NGOs. You know, they've gotten, they've probably gotten some like tax write-off to go through, you know, Harlem and set up like a little standee for a day. You know, it's not anything comprehensive. It's not anything that would get the economy freaking moving like we need to do on climate. Just make a a core of, and I guess there's a little bit of funding for this, but not anywhere near what we need. If we really want to get out of this pandemic and, you know, fight the causes of the pandemic, you need a core of people uh, and fight climate change too. You need public jobs people who get paid to fix things to mitigate climate change. Can't go through the private sector. It's just going to loop us back into this fucking problem again. We need to take the the profit incentive out of it. Of course, Biden will stop at nothing to insert that profit incentive back where it doesn't need to be just for ideological reasons. Yeah. I forgot that they were doing it. They were looking at like Roosevelt world war two shit back when this was being treated like an existential threat. You know, I just watched that movie Zoot Suit and uh, I didn't know this about the Zoot Suit riots, but you remember uh, you know, I remember they were like beating up young Latin kids who were wearing Zoot Suits in the 40s. You know why they said that they were so mad at them? Obviously just racism, but their excuse was, this is a historical anecdote I'm pulling out of my ass just to because I remembered it on this podcast. They'd wear the big suits and they would say, uh, you know, there's a war effort going on and we need all this linen for our boys across the... Uh, yeah, and you guys are wearing these huge suits, so I'm going to kick your ass. Here's what I'm saying, right? If we want to stick it to the man, we should start wearing, like, tons of Q-tips and be like, fuck <laughs> you. I'm, I made a whole suit out of COVID tests. And I'm going to dance around in it to this saxophone. And that's how we'll stick it to Joe Biden. I'm surprised. That's what this whole campaign has been about. (laughs) I'm actually surprised some annoying like TikTok star kid hasn't done that already. Just made a suit out of COVID tests and got on the subway and just like gotten everyone annoyed at him. That'd be cool. Yeah. You're just probably going to happen. 
made out of those weird you know how when it's done it looks like a lollipop just a whole bunch of those hanging off your body oh yeah 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 <laughs> that'd be cool different... you should they should train people and or dogs to smell covid and test that way that's probably what we're gonna you know if there's a shortage that's what they're gonna you know run down to yeah, i mean covid's whole thing is that you can't smell it oh really well, you well as long it, as the dogs don't get covid yeah can they dogs can COVID be tr- get covid and they they smell like in 3d so i must really suck to be a dog and get covid they right smell anything like smelling stuff it's like smelling a wall to a dog is like watching a movie for us yeah. it's pretty much the same as watching a movie yeah, the yeah. dog is just like smelling its own ass, and it's like, what, what, what? It's gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened when Dog Sopranos, uh, the series finale, they were just hitting the wall. Like, what? Come on, that's it. So sorry. they 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 get all jaded after they've smelled too many walls, being like, man, this wall is very reductive. Yeah, doesn't have any of the complexities of the walls that were coming out when I was a pup. I feel like this wall is a really poor metaphor for this other wall. Yeah. Also, like walls aren't going to fix climate change. Don't make a wall about climate change. We need direct action. Make a wall. Make a law. <laughs> we need to fill the wall between us and the problem. <laughs> what if we made a wall that was made out of like carbon capture materials that was just. Because that's what the only way I've heard carbon capture would actually work is if you just took Greenland and evacuated it and just turned it into a giant carbon capture fucking device. So cool if we just turned one country into a trash can. (laughs) I'm for it. Yeah. Well. There's no getting off of this train, Jack. (laughs) We're going to Trashville. What are we talking about today? Was that final? Is this Final Fantasy again, too? Yeah, I turned the music back on. Okay. We should segue into. And is this also the young woman who is, you know, having intercourse? (laughs) Yes. She's exploring her body. All right. (laughs) In a healthy Uh, way. (laughs) We are going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, political things in nature with. uh, a guy who knows a lot about it. So let's kick it over to that interview. Yes, we can. All right. We are now joined by American Prospect Executive Editor, not Editor-in-Chief, Executive Editor, David Dayen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. And we are speaking now on the heels of the one-year anniversary of the big J-20 uh, Biden taking office, taking power, which is, I don't, I don't know why it's a hundred days and then one year seem to be the, the reflection points. No, nothing happens in between those yeah. two, those two, right. those two timelines. It's like New York and LA really of <laughs> presidential it's politics. A, there's a great middle in between that uh, uh-huh. nobody pays attention to is <laughs> check in every, every several months. Right. I'll check. I'll, I'll see how he's doing on election night, 2024, if <laughs> right. he's alive. But um, I think it's going to be really good. 
it'll be entertaining <laughs> no matter what. January so, 6th will be more entertaining. Yeah. January 6th, 25. Oh that's, yeah. That's the place to be. They could just march Trump in with a big like battalion of militia guys and it'll be legal. If he wins, then that's probably how he's going to do his like parade, his inauguration parade. Definitely he loves be, parades. Uh, there will definitely be a President Camacho from Idiocracy uh, aspect to it. I'd say. Uh, uh, oh, well, Camacho was too cool. <laughs> <laughs> he actually ruled. <laughs> well, I, I just saw a quote from the president, Biden, who said he was actually surprised by the level of Republican intransigence to his agenda. If you remember, he uh, was actually saying... During the campaign, you know, post Obama administration, current Trump administration, when he was saying this, that he thought the Republicans would have an epiphany and they would come rolling back and it would be like the 90s all over again and they would pass all this bipartisan stuff. Uh, what accounts for this man's uh, askew view of the way the world works? Is it is it age? Is it uh, his his career trajectory? What's going on there? I, I was just as stunned as him until I, I learned uh, this this fun fact that uh, Joe Biden was in Washington for all eight years of the Obama presidency. He, uh -huh. he was he was actually in a, a pretty good position to witness it, uh, being being the second in command and uh, seeing uh, the intransigence play out uh, in that administration very directly and very very obviously. Uh, and, uh, you know, did, did he think that he was somehow any different? Did he think that it was because of, uh, who Obama was or, or what he looked like, uh, that there was going to be a difference and that Joe Biden, old, old Scranton Joe would be able to, uh, to change things up. Um, obviously that wasn't the case. And that was a, that, that, that was, it would, it was extreme hubris to think that there would be any way for Joe Biden to become a bipartisan deal maker that uh, that that Republicans would respect. Now he he got the infrastructure bill passed, and I, I suppose if you want to call that a bipartisan win, you can. Um, there really hasn't been much else of of substance. Uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of in in if you look at the last couple presidencies. He had essentially one piece of legislation in the first year of the Trump presidency that was in any way substantial, and that was the tax cuts. Uh, you've had two in this presidency, the American Rescue Plan, which, like the tax cuts, was uh, a, a 50 vote uh, reconciliation bill. And the infrastructure bill, which was designed entirely to stave off uh, a larger bill known as Build Back Better, to split them apart and uh, get the centrist Democrats on board to say they have done something so that they could reject the rest of the agenda. Uh, that was an explicit plan by uh, uh, McConnell and, and, and the Republicans. And, and it worked, it, it, it worked really, really well. Um, so, so to expect anything else uh, and also, you know, let's be clear. Uh, Joe Biden could have had, the same exact level of opposition on the Republican side and still had a successful presidency. It really mm. comes down to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Those are who are blocking key elements of the agenda at the moment, not the Republicans. And so even, even the whole premise is a little bit flawed. I was told a lot of the equation was about Delaware grit. 
and <laughs> who has it? All right. So this is a surprise to me. I mean, down mi- the mud. you mix in some Scranton Joe ism, and that's that should be a recipe for success. But how much of this do you think really is about his, you know, political muscle memory? Because this is an old guy who, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, is well intentioned now. You know, not where we are politically, but wants to do a couple good things, do the, the good things in his platform. Um, but he just has no experience, maybe in the early 70s when he very first came into the Senate, but since then has really no experience going up against the right wing of the Democratic Party, which is who he's had to tussle with here. Um, would a better Joe Biden have uh, prevailed here? Uh, or is this is this no hope um, of getting, you know, good legislation through as long as those two are in the way. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Biden was on the right wing of the Democratic Party, right? right. And and yeah. and he was able to make deals from that center position. Uh, he made the calculation that the center had shifted in the Democratic Party, which, you know, I mean, he has 48 out of 50 Senate votes for an agenda that is certainly more expansive than anything any Democrat has done in the last 50 years. Uh, I think we can say that. So at some level, he calculated correctly. What he miscalculated was the fact that Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Sinema are pretty immovable. And I think the larger miscalculation was uh, to fail to set expectations and priorities for what could be done. Um, and he did this both on the upside and on the downside. So let me try to explain. So um, legislatively, he appears to have overpromised. He, he, he thought he could get a two, a two trillion plus three trillion dollar bill through uh, while uh, you know figuring out a way to mollify uh, the, the center left of the party. And uh, it, it probably would have been more uh, appropriate to split this bill into some component parts, uh, maybe pass something in 22 and pass something later this year for the fiscal year 2023 reconciliation, do it in stages, uh, get what you can. Um, but this, the virtue of Build Back Better was also its failure, uh, which is that it had a bunch of stuff put in it, which got everybody on board with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that meant that when it came time to cut things, nobody wanted to cut their thing. So it made it impossible to come up with a compromise. And that's what we're faced with right now. Um, On the side of executive action, which is certainly uh, as much, if not more, a part of the presidency. I mean, if you look at the Constitution, it says that presidents take care that the laws are faithfully executed. That's their job. Congress makes the laws. Presidents execute the laws. So on that side, he has really under-promised. Right. So so over promise on the legislative under promise on the executive, because there are a host of things that he had in his power to do. And he's done some of them, but uh, certainly not to the degree uh, that would have made tangible differences for the American people that they could actually see. And in some cases, he's he's kind of changed his policy. We've seen this this week. So, uh, you know, about a month and a half ago. Jen Psaki gets on uh, uh, the, the podium and says, uh, what do you want us to do? Send uh, COVID <laughs> tests to every American? And, and then we did exactly that. This, yeah. we we're in the midst of doing it in a really simple way. You just type your name into uh, the, the Postal Service and your address, and they give them to you. Um, and 
So, you know, it took a while to get to that point, probably too long because we wanted to, it would have been better to have done that before the Omicron surge than after. But, um, but at the same time, there's, there's a, a sense that there is that possibility. And uh, the, the, the tragedy of it is that it comes a bit too late. Um, but I, I think that it shows that the capacity is there and, and the challenge for the next three years are, you know, can Biden be a quick learner? Okay, my legislative agenda is in real trouble and uh, the midterms are probably not gonna be very kind to me. And, and, and so, you know, I may be tapped out legislatively unless I find some bipartisan bills that I can make progress on. So, you know, I have this other set of possibilities. I have this executive action agenda, a day one agenda, as we labeled it uh, in the prospect in 2019, uh, that uh, could be used to uh, really make some positive changes, whether it's lowering prescription drug prices or canceling student debt or uh, effectively legalizing marijuana. Uh, all of those things are possible and, and much, much more. And we have, we have a website uh, that tracks all of this stuff. It's at prospect.org slash EAT. That stands for the Executive Action Tracker. So prospect.org slash EAT. Uh, you go there, you can see all of the uh, 77 discrete items that we saw where uh, Biden can take executive action. Um, links to all the stories that we wrote about those particular uh, policies and uh, whether or not he's accomplished. Yum, yum, yum. Well, some of those actions that I've, I've heard you talk about this are um, with uh, go in regard to environmental regulation and coal regulation. Sure. And uh, Manchin, of course, comes from a coal state. Biden has tried to appease him by doing all sorts of things and wait on him hand and feet. That hasn't worked. Uh, I don't think primarying him is really going to work in West no. Virginia or I may be running against him as a Republican. I think the left should consider. But one thing you suggested is uh, actually using the arm of the state to regulate coal to death, or at least threaten to in West Virginia until he comes along. Um, do you think well, there's any hope in that? I, I mean, it's it's an option. It's an option that hasn't been tried, is that uh, if if you have this agenda on Build Back Better, and you think it's really important and it's being stymied by essentially one person. Well, you got to find the pressure points for that one person. And uh, it, it is certainly the case, at least under current law. Now, maybe the Supreme Court changes this at some point, but under current Supreme Court jurisprudence, the uh, EPA has the ability in EPA versus Massachusetts to, uh, you know, impose penalties uh, under the Clean Air Act that uh, uh, limit uh, the emissions of greenhouse gases. And you can do that in such a way that would make, make it very difficult for the, uh, the, the, the coal industry to survive. Um, is Biden gonna do that? I mean, let's look at his record. Uh, in the first year, uh, there's been more oil and gas drilling uh, permits allowed on federal land than even in the Trump administration, right? Uh, there have been some positive steps on climate. There also have been some, some backsliding on climate. And, and I, more to the point, it doesn't seem like in these negotiations, he has used the threat of executive action as a spur to get to what he wants. So yeah. he could have done this on drug prices too, right? There's a drug price piece 
to uh, the, the Build Back Better Act, he could have said, look, you're either going to pass this legislation that you have that will lower the cost of prescription drugs, or I'm going to seize people's patents, which I have the ability to do, and uh, make sure that, that the, the patent holder distributes these drugs in an affordable way. Um, but that kind of use of leverage to achieve a legislative result, even by just taking executive action and kicking Joe Manchin off the front page, because I mean, I think I think mm. what Joe Manchin thrives on is having a lot of people around him and being the center of attention. And so if you're taking action on your own, like like this week, we're hearing a lot about the uh, the COVID test, for example, if you're taking action on your own. Finally, you're on the front page on your terms rather than being, uh, you know, having Joe Manchin be the, the, the essential uh, signpost of the Democratic Party. I mean, we, we've, we haven't heard the Democratic agenda articulated by anyone so much as Joe Manchin over the first year of this presidency. And you wonder why the, the Democrats are having failing approval ratings, because uh, literally their, their spokesman, their avatar is, is Joe Manchin. And his, his agenda is, is very particular and not something that, that the public favors. Yeah. And not that popular, even in places like West Virginia. Um, but I'm curious what you make of the explanation uh, for why Build Back Better failed or has failed so far, why the two-track strategy didn't go through, which is, you know, uh, originally it was, and this was Biden's strategy, uh, the Progressive Caucus's strategy, we're not going to pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill without also passing Build Back Better through reconciliation with just Democratic votes. And they folded. Um, I think that goes back to Biden's political history. This is just not a position he's used to being in. Um, but Pramila Jayapal, chair of the Progressive Caucus, her explanation uh, for why they folded was that she didn't believe Biden or uh, Manchin was going to support anything. He didn't actually want to do the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So by voting for it, letting it through the House, actually taking that vote, that tied his hand. So he had to vote for that bipartisan bill. He really didn't want anything. Do you buy that or do you think that's just an excuse? Well, I mean, I could see it both ways. I mean, it, it is hard to listen to Joe Manchin over the course of the last year and think that there was any chance of him passing a, an agenda that would be in any way expansive or positive for people. I mean, he has come up with one excuse after another. If it wasn't inflation, it was the fact that he needed work requirements or it was the fact that uh, he didn't want uh, electric car companies to benefit if they were union, uh, they had union membership. I mean, there, there's been one thing after the other. Uh, he signed a document in July uh, that, that Chuck Schumer put out that had a bunch of uh, bullet points on it. And almost all of those were fulfilled in Build Back Better. And he still had problems with Build Back Better. So, you know, what does it take to actually please this guy? I mean, he is kind of like, it's like nailing jello to a wall. He's a yeah. moving target. Um, so I do agree with that to an extent. But uh, if you come up with this idea that we're going to use this one piece of leverage that we might have, then you got to move forward and, and follow through and use the leverage. I mean, uh, just to say, well, that wouldn't work. Nothing would work. Well, then why are you passing it? I mean, you know, yeah. like, like, like it, there doesn't seem to have been a plan B in Pramila Jayapal's mind, other than trust Joe Biden. 
And obviously, Joe Biden didn't have the capacity to make the promise that he made about Manchin uh, being willing to vote for the bill. So uh, I, I think it was a tactical error on the part of the Progressive Caucus and on the part of Jayapal to uh, not hold out. And, and uh, it, it may not have worked. Uh, we may have gotten nothing out of that. You can, you can question what uh, the, the, the virtue of the infrastructure bill is, which has a lot of fossil fuel infrastructure in it. Uh, you, you can question whether that's a positive step at all, actually, in some sense. Uh, I mean, I think there's some good stuff in it. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think you got to follow through the, with the strategy. Assume that you can get that infrastructure bill at a later date and, and let's just keep it going and see, you know, play this out until its conclusion. Uh, instead, they they went ahead and and passed the infrastructure bill. And within a month, Manchin was saying, I can't support <laughs> that better. I mean, you know, there, there is a linkage there. Yeah. I'm also curious. I do. Now I'm excited about this uh, idea in West Virginia. Do you think someone from the left should challenge him as a Republican? Do you think that would work? <laughs> I mean, uh, any, anything's possible, I guess. Uh, uh there was a candidate by the name of Stephen Smith who ran for governor of West Virginia. He ended up running as a Democrat, but he was strongly thinking of running as an independent and basically as an independent populist. Um, and he had a very uh, sort of big organizing strategy. Uh, he ended up not winning the Democratic primary because the essentially Mansion forces, the, the, the Mansion machine, uh, circled the wagons and they they put up some guy who ended up losing uh, in 2022, Jim Justice. So uh, maybe not running as a Republican, but maybe running in, in, in a sort of an independent, uh, free from both parties in, in sort of a populist capacity is a, uh, I don't know that West Virginia is there yet. This is a state that went for Donald Trump by 50 points yeah. uh, uh, to say that, that uh, you know, how, how exactly that Democrat running as a Republican would get nominated is a question <laughs> you'd have to answer for me. Um, but as a as a populist that says what the real problem in West Virginia has been the old money boys who have uh, robbed the people of the, the state, extracted its resources, impoverished them. And uh, what we're going to do, not through one party or the other, is try to end that practice. Uh, maybe that works. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems I have a, some limited experience volunteering in West Virginia, and for so many people there, uh, as soon as you say Democrat, it's it's a non-starter, which is oh, absolutely a shame because you know Dukakis won West Virginia in '88, like it's not that long ago that it was a solid Democratic uh, state. But back to to Mansion and Cinema. Mansion seems pretty easy to read, right? He's corrupt. He's in Cole, Cole's pocket, right? But uh, cinema has been a bit more of an enigma. We did do a sort of a deep dive into her a few months ago, and it, mm -hmm. there seems to be somewhat of an internally consistent logic in that she believes that for uh, legislation to be durable, politically durable, it has to be bipartisan, uh, even if that's one, two Republicans. As long as it has a couple, then that means it's good to go. But in reality... That just means it's going to be worse. I mean, in her lifetime, the Affordable Care Act passed with no Republican support. Right. And despite changes in government, despite changes in party uh, in the White House, in Congress, uh, it still exists today. 
and it it it, it seems destined to to keep on existing uh, uh, since you know in the last few years of the the Trump presidency they made no effort to to try to change it. Uh, I I think that uh, it's it's a bizarre notion that that the only legislation that 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 must survive is legislation that uh, has has sort of the the not just the backing but the 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 tacit go ahead of the party that didn't win the election. I mean, <laughs> go to any other country and 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 look at their parliamentary system and and uh, it's it's no accident when when we invade countries and install governments, we don't install this system. We install parliamentary system uh, because it is more durable as a system, uh, and and that is one where you have essentially a, a party win power, whether it's a coalition government or a, a straight party government, and then implement their agenda with no help uh, from the opposition. Only here is bipartisanship seen as this great virtue, right? And I think another, and I've heard you say this as well, that if you are thinking of political durability, then you need to do things that actually improve the quality of life of pe- the people whose sure. votes you want. Um, has there really been anything uh, in the past year or anything you foresee before the 2022 midterms that will do that to an effective rate? I think the competition agenda that's being put forward by Lena Khan at the F- Federal Trade Commission and uh, Jonathan Cantor as the uh, Department of Justice uh, head of antitrust is uh, has the potential to be pretty groundbreaking and pretty important. Um, it, this week, they announced a change to the merger guidelines, which kind of govern whether or not they will intervene if a merger takes place. These guidelines that were essentially decimated 40 years ago uh, by a group of thinkers led by Robert Bork, who decided that the only thing that you have to care about with merger policy is consumer welfare, which is essentially whether prices lower. Uh, it was a perfectly circular theory because Bork said that the only thing you have to care about is uh, efficiency and all mergers are efficient. So it's like this perfectly <laughs> circular argument uh, that he made, but it has governed uh, not only uh, the antitrust enforcement agencies, but the courts over the last 40 years and has created a situation where we have this massive concentration in virtually every aspect of our, our economic lives. Uh, and we're seeing actually it play out right now with the inflation statistics. We're seeing these uh, very concentrated companies in the logistics space charge premium prices because of supply shocks uh, and take advantage of the shortages to uh, uh, create huge profit windfalls for themselves. I, 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 go, I always talk about the, uh, the ocean shipping companies, the companies with the big container ships. Uh, there are three alliances they call themselves uh, uh, basically companies uh, in the alliance say, OK, you take this ship and I take the ship. It doesn't matter who, who they hired. Um, one of the com- one of the alliances is called the alliance, even though there are two others. I don't know hmm. what that means. But um, uh, these alliances made more money in 2021 than in the years 2010 to 2020 combined. And what that is, is pricing power. And uh, they took advantage of desperate importers and exporters to just jack up rates. And that's why 
you know, in large measure why we're seeing the inflation that we're seeing right now. So, uh, and it's not just that, there's a lot of other factors and we have a special issue coming out about all of this, but I won't bore you with all of it. Uh, but I will ask you to read it uh, in a little bit. Yeah. But um, anyway, point being, I think Khan and Cantor uh, have a very different perspective and they're very systematically and deliberately trying to change the philosophy around uh, economic concentration in America. And uh, they've already had some wins. Um, uh, one example I point out is the Federal Trade Commission uh, voted unanimously to go after and protect the right to repair. So this is the thing where if you have an Apple iPhone or you have some other gaming device, you can't fix it yourself because you have to unlock it and it's proprietary. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go to an Apple certified uh, manufacturer to, to, to actually get it fixed. Uh, so they said, no, that's not right. If you own the product, you should be able to repair it or unlock it or do whatever you need to do with it. And after that announcement, and it wasn't a, a change in law, it was just saying, we're going to actually enforce this. Microsoft and Apple came out and said, yes, customers can repair their own equipment. Uh, and so uh, that's like a signal that is given to these businesses. Like, yeah, the, the, the terms have changed, that regulators are going to look at these things much more skeptically. You're not going to be able to jack up profits. I mean, when, when you have that right to, uh, when you break that right to repair and you have the, the system in place where it's proprietary, yeah, you have to go to a, a, a certified uh, repair technician who charges you a premium rate, right? Rather than you having to fix it yourself. So that's that's a, that's a that's just a price uh, uh, situation. So um, I, 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 that's a start, and there have been some lawsuits. They've they've filed to block mergers. I wonder, and I think they actually will try to block the Microsoft Activision merger that we heard about yesterday. Hmm. Um, uh, so. I think there's a lot of promising work being done there that will have a long-lasting impact. Uh, are there other things that could be done that that need to have a long-lasting impact? Yes. I mean, we're sitting here in the first month since the enhanced child tax credit, which used to go out monthly to people uh, for, for each child, uh, expired. And we're back in the regime of a, a smaller child tax credit that you only get at tax time because you only need money in April, right? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, missed opportunities, mistakes, uh, things that certainly could have been done better. Um, and it's difficult to see where this footing will be uh, uh, regained by the Biden administration, uh, given the missteps of the first year. I think if he were to make it uh, illegal for Apple to only use their headphone jacks. So like it's the, <laughs> that's a classic thing. It's planned obsolescence and, and, yeah. you know, they change it every, every couple of years. Like they, they change the chargers on your, uh, on your, your laptops or whatever. So that's uh, if, if the one breaks, you have to go get a new one rather than use the one you've been using all along in your previous uh, a MacBook that uh, you know every three years seems to spiral down on the battery. They can they, we manage to do all these other things that are wondrous in technology, but uh, the battery in a MacBook can't last more than two or three years. Not right. to mention they intentionally break the old products, like old iPhones. They software update 
in mm-hmm. ways where the old machinery can't handle it. And your your phone right. you got 18 months ago is now just a rock you own that cost a thousand dollars. There's no way Absolutely. around it. And and I got an iPhone that was like uh cheaper than the other one or whatever basically was the deal. They were like, Do you want the bad one for less <laughs> money that's gonna make you mad? The bad it has Apple this thing deal. where you yeah, and you can't turn off 3D click on it, and so I, I'm just constantly like doing this thing where, it, like, you you're about you accidentally airdrop a photo to everyone <laughs> oh, around you of you know anything because you can't turn off this feature. Can I? Can we? Can Joe Biden stop that? Can <laughs> he stop these, the thing on my All of these petty scams are. I mean, it's serious business, and it's what the Federal Trade Commission was invented to stop. I'll give you another example. Um, you can do a gym membership at a place like 24 hour fitness online in about 10 seconds, like sign up, put your credit card information in, you're done. You cannot cancel a gym membership online. You have to go in person or send a certified letter. Uh, and you you have to jump through a million different hoops to actually cancel the membership, even though it took 10 seconds to start the membership. So one thing that Lena Khan did at the FTC is say, if you can sign up in 10 seconds, you have to be able to cancel in 10 seconds. And, uh, and she's enforcing that and uh, with real penalties. So uh, those things are really, they matter like the crapification of, uh, <laughs> of, of stuff in, in, in modern economic society matters. And, and, and we can actually do something about that. Yeah, but I had to hire a lawyer to cancel my Planet Fitness subscription <laughs> a few years ago. No, but it it felt <laughs> like practically, it. practically. I, yeah, yeah I with you learn. specifically, it's important to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing you mentioned supply chains, and there's an article in the Prospect that uh, was really interesting about Pete Buttigieg and the authority he has to really mitigate the supply chain crisis because as you said it's a, it's a price gouging crisis it's not that there's not enough supplies it's not that you know people are asking for too much money and that's causing inflation people are gouging prices the uh, shipping industry is gouging prices are there a lot is there a lot of that authority uh in other departments of the executive branch that could seriously well, make a dent in this stuff there there's less authority than there needs to be and there needs to be some changes made uh, some of those are going forward and some of those require some legislative action. Mm-hmm. So re-regulating the ocean shipping companies I mentioned before, there's a bill that passed the House with 364 votes. You don't see that very often mm-hmm. uh, called the Ocean Shipping Reform Act that actually would uh, crack down and re-regulate these companies so that they have to deliver uh, prices on reasonable terms. And it would give more teeth to the Federal Maritime Commission, which used to be the main regulator, but was completely defanged under the Clinton administration, actually. Um, uh, as far as trucking, uh, which is another big bottleneck because the trucking jobs are terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, Buttigieg, the, the, the plan that he put out was like getting more teenagers on the road to be truckers, like <laughs> increasing <laughs> increasing uh, commercial driver's license. That's not the problem. We we give out about four hundred thousand commercial driver's licenses a year. The problem is it's a bad job and nobody wants to do it. And uh, so the another part of the federal government, the National Labor Relations Board, is trying to look at 
changing the whole concept of misclassification. This is when uh, a worker is classified as an independent contractor instead of an actual employee. When Even when they're doing the job of an employee, they worked directly for one company. They clearly are taking their tasks and duties from that company, but they're classified as an independent contractor so they don't have to pay good benefits or an hourly wage. And uh, so we could see changes around that at the NLRB, which would be huge. Uh, just today, it was announced that um, the port truckers at the Port of LA are trying to unionize, uh, which is another huge effort that uh, would, would go very far. So uh, the answer is that a lot of these uh, systems were deregulated in previous administrations, uh, Carter, deregulated rail, deregulated trucking, Clinton deregulated- Airlines too, right? And airlines, Clinton deregulated shipping. Uh, so we need some re-regulation in, in those spaces. And, and, and some of that would need congressional approval, but some of it wouldn't. Uh, and, and, and there are things that the, the, the administration can do uh, to ensure uh, uh, that our supply chains are more resilient, that, that we're not making everything in China and relying on three- ocean shipping alliances to get everything here. I mean, uh, and, and, and that we're not engaging in this, this lean inventory process is just in time logistics system that makes sure that, uh, uh, there, there are no inventories, not making money for you, that uh, everything's produced, brought here, brought directly to a retail store and then brought to your, your doorstep. Um, we, we don't have to have that kind of production. It's, it's, it's dangerous. This is what we've seen in the pandemic. It's actually dangerous. And so some of that will require investment, like in, in reshoring, like uh, building semiconductor facilities, for example, in the United States. Uh, some of that will require just uh, uh, really paying attention to uh, what, what corporate America is doing and, and, and making sure we have smart regulation. Yeah, a huge toll on climate change, having things, you know, shipped all over the place, the parts in five different continents and they're assembled in Antarctica or whatever. It's not just uh, that, but it's it's that, you know, typically what the reason these things are offshore to begin with is that they're looking for the the lowest labor costs and also the yeah. lowest environmental regulations. So right. that's why they go to China or Vietnam or or where wherever is uh they want to be able to pollute. Um, well, I have one more question that I think will probably make the listeners very uh, angry with me or perhaps depressed, but I uh, this is a world I, my brain spends slightly too much time in, but I do want to ask, if we were talking one year since President Bernie Sanders <laughs> took office, what kind of uh, things do you think we would be discussing? What kind of accomplishments – assassination attempts, uh, et cetera. What, what do you think <laughs> we would be uh, looking at? An army of CEOs descending upon Washington. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that to answer that question properly, you have to tell me how many, how many senators uh, Democrats have, right. And how many house members, like, is it, is, are we talking about the same system where let's where, say it's the same yeah for yeah. the sake of if it's the same i don't i don't know that there's there's a lot of difference that could be made legislatively maybe maybe on the margins uh in in the other duties of the job there could absolutely have been a lot more uh aggression uh taken both uh, whether you're talking about in labor or uh i think there have been a lot of more changes to the immigration system 
uh, where Biden has done uh, somewhat of the status quo. I think certainly um, the environmental aspect, I think uh, uh, Sanders would have paid a lot more attention to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that, I mean, certainly Joe, Bernie Sanders was a full partner with Joe Biden in terms of, uh, 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 you know, passing Build Back Better. Uh, it's his bill. It's out of, it comes out of the budget committee. Um, he might have heel turned away from Manchin a lot quicker. I mean, I don't know that he would have let it last this long. Uh, maybe sometime in the summer, he would have said, you know, take a vote. And if it didn't work, all right, moving on. We're, we're, we're doing something else. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't think that uh, Sanders would have had the infinite patience that uh, Joe Biden <laughs> seems to have had. But uh, at the same time, uh, I, I do think there would have been a difference in terms of the government posture in its, uh, in, in its agencies and, and things like that. Yeah. And especially in foreign policy, too, I think, you know. Yeah. The, Although, I mean, we do have to talk about the fact that Joe Biden left Afghanistan. I mean, right. some some people think he didn't leave it, you know, in a nice enough way. I mean, I'm happy we're not spending three hundred million dollars today in Afghanistan or three hundred million dollars yesterday to get the exact same result that, that we have right now, since we were powerless to really do anything in that country to uh, affect the trajectory. So um, that was a fairly gutsy move. It certainly raised the ire of the establishment in Washington and was sort of the beginning of Biden's fall in approval ratings. Um, but I think it uh, history, I think, will bear it out as as the right choice. Yeah. So we got one good thing. There we go. There you go. We can hang like our hats on, on a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, David Dane, thanks so much for joining us. And, and where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So uh, prospect.org, that's our uh, website, the American Prospect. We uh, uh, do daily reporting on uh, policy and politics, ideas, politics, and power. And uh, I'm on Twitter uh, often at uh, ddayen, D-D-A-Y-E-N. All right. Check them out. Thanks again. All right. Thanks. What about us? What do we have in this wonderful world of ours going on this week? We're doing plugs. So what's up? Yeah, this was a live show. At Anders Lee here on Twitter.com, or you can use the app. Either way, doesn't matter to me. Instagram as well. I have an account on that at Dursley One. And last but not Anders Least, check out Redacted Tonight, my other JOB on Russia Today on the cable network and uh, on YouTube and portable.tv. Wow. What about me? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen, your number one stop for exciting new flavors. And last but not Anders least, Theater of Delight Season 4 is still being kickstarted until the end of the month. We are almost halfway there. We've got around 10 de- days left. We need to finish strong. You too can earn a fourth exciting season of today's top audio stories. And that's on Kickstarter. It is pinned on my Twitter. I'll see you there. Um, I have a upcoming show online on a venue called Rush Ticks, a virtual comedy Rush club, Ticks. which I'll be writing a bunch of new material for. It's going to happen uh, on February 24th at 9 p.m. I'll put ticket links up everywhere and stuff. If you're on anywhere and you want to watch some new material of mine, Anders, most of all, 
my live show went really well last night and uh it'll probably happen again in brooklyn if you're in brooklyn keep an eye out for that all my shows will be on my pinned tweet i'm at feral jokes on the internet and on all things i think that's it I listen to why you mad my other show in all things and sign up for our patreon yes and we have merch for sale and leave a itunes positive leave a itunes positive review <laughs> yeah <laughs> And patak attack that like button. Don't hit don't the patak button on patreon.com sending you back to Google when you were there. Instead, hit the subscribe button to our channel. I don't know Patreon or Patak. Turn the floor resolution yeah. up on your monitor so that you can subscribe to us on all the things and see it clearly when you're doing it. It's finished. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs>